In a world where trust is shattered and darkness looms, one man's journey from betrayal to redemption will captivate your heart. Absolutely. Even if Absolutely. you don't take them. If you have a relative that is a Christian, yes. allow them to take the kids. I like that. Because yeah. it's like, you, you may not want Jesus, but... Thrown into a detention center, he grappled with the harsh reality of being imprisoned mentally and physically. At that moment, I told myself, I'm not going behind bars no more. Betrayed and deceived by the one he trusted most. So now we're about to enter into this part of your life where you're cheated on. It was rough for me. Bought teddy bears for her, flowers. And my heart just got squeezed and beat upon and crushed and stuck. In the depths of his despair, he questioned God's plan. I said, I said, you don't know what just happened to me, Meg. But amidst the darkness, a glimmer of hope emerged. He found solace in the teachings of a higher power. And in that moment, he discovered a new purpose. Out with the old. In with the new. In with the new. The Holy Spirit came inside of me. From being lost to salvation, this is the story of Nick. Coming soon, this summer on July 1st on YouTube and all podcast platforms. Welcome to the Call by God podcast with Adi Godin and myself, Nixon Sylvain. This show is about dialogues of biblical characters and testimonies of Christians who submitted to the will of God. Each week, we'll bring on one guest so that they can share their story of how they were called by God. I hope this show inspires you. Enjoy. Hello and welcome, world. How are you doing, world? I'm excited. I got so excited. I got a little, little hiccup, but I'm going to continue the show. How are you doing, Sister Adney, to be on this Call by God podcast? Good morning, Brother Nick. I am blessed. I am honored. I am grateful, thankful to our Heavenly Father for allowing me to be here on this time side of life. I'm grateful and thankful for Him choosing me to be here. So, how are you doing? Adney, I am blessed. Adney, we've been doing this show, these shows for like nearly a year now. This is the, I think, this is probably like the second time that I got a hiccup. And you know what it is? I think, and, and people don't know this, before we get on, I get overzealous. I get excited. <laughs> so, it's like when you do something that you love, you just get overly excited. And I just say, Adney, look, we just got to just keep going because... um. The, the word just going to have to hear what I had to say. You know, I dare already know who I am. You've been listening to me for one year. You've been listening to Addy for one year. <laughs> you already know who we are. <laughs> so I'm blessed, Addy. I'm just excited, Addy. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. God is good. And God is still using us. So that's, that's a blessing. And by the time this episode goes live, we'll already be one year in, over a year in, 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 in a few weeks. So that's a, a blessing onto to me. But Andy, I was uh, reading this uh, story today in, in the book of John. It was about the, the Samaritan woman. And I thought about, you know, that, that scripture just like was like on me in my spirit. I'm like, wow, Jesus Christ told the woman all that she's done. And he told her that he's going to give a living water, that she won't thirst again. And then she received the message. 
And then she went on to the folk and she told the people all that. She said, come see a man. Come, come, come. Come see a man. And they had told me all that I have done. And because of that woman's testimony, because she testified, don't you know folks were saved? Folks was delivered? And, and that, that resonated with me because I think sometimes people underestimate the power of a testimony. And I just wanted to share. I I love her story because a lot of times I look at me and I put myself in her position because I say that once was me. I once was the Samaritan woman Um, and, and just being able to allow my life to be the testimony that the Lord has. He still had me here. okay? so that means that that stands for that means something. Right. So just to be able to be her and share my testimony is, is, yeah, I love it. Well, Adnia, I think we're just going to just go ahead and dive in to this uh, discussion with our dear sister. We have a special guest on today. And Adnia, I'm, I'm going to really, I'm going to discipline myself. I don't want to say interviews. Cause when you say interviews, like it's so fixed, like uh, going to have an interview. I'm going to ask you the next question. No, this is the fellowship hall. Adnia, you remember the fellowship hall when you're in church, you go to the fellowship hall you eat it with your brother and sister in Christ. Like, hmm, how did you come to Christ? Tell me your story. So I think this is going to be one those type of set. This this is the type of setting that we're in right now. We're in a fellowship hall, not literal, but in the spirit. We're in a fellowship hall, and we're going to engage in a conversation with our dear sisters. So I, I welcome her. She's a, a powerful sister. And I'm going to just let her introduce herself. World, welcome to the show, Pamela Hempstead. Introduce yourself. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adney. Thank you, too, for trusting me, for inviting me to share my story and to, and to talk a little bit about how the Lord trusted me with the gifts that he has given me. And I, I tell you, I didn't always uh, recognize that. And so uh, I'm excited to be able to encourage anyone who may be listening to this awesome podcast because let me tell you, this walk is one that is full of mistakes and bad decisions, and it is nothing but the grace of the Lord that continues to see us through. So before before we dive in to your uh, story, Sister Pamela, and, and it's, it's good to have you as well, because um, as you heard, I was excited. So. <laughs> And that happened multiple times. <laughs> I don't care. Like I just keep I just keep going. It, it goes to show people the imperfection yeah, of humanity. <laughs> so like whenever I get an opportunity to talk to Amen. my brothers and my sisters in Christ, that's how I get. Because I know it is just a joy Amen. to be a, a Christian. So I want you to share with the world. Just tell them a little bit about yourself before we get into your story. Sure. So I was born in Detroit, Michigan and moved at the age of 12 to San Bernardino, California, where I grew up. I I spent much time in Cali and um, moved to Charlotte, North Carolina in 2004, where I currently reside. I am the daughter of Jacqueline Hempstead, and um, she is my heart. I am the sister of Hesley Hempstead and Elena Hempstead. I'm the oldest of the three of us. I have four beautiful nieces, and I am a Christian, a sister, a friend, a daughter, a cousin, a lover of the Lord, an author, a fitness instructor, a health and wellness coach, um, soon to be a mental health 
counselor, and I am walking in my purpose. I'm a photographer. I am, I'm just here to do what the Lord sent me to do and to show people how imperfect people can be a part of the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. I, I like that. You wear many belts. God has given you many talents. Yes, sir. Amen. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, sister, sister Pamela, like I alluded to, uh, this is the fellowship hall. I know, I know if you're in the body of Christ, yeah. you know the fellowship hall. <laughs> we eating some chicken. <laughs> we eating macaroni and cheese. Those canned green yeah, beans. All right now. <laughs> Hold up, sis. Hold up. Hold up, sis. Hold up. Hold up. You're a health coach, so we got to be disciplined. Let's talk about salad (laughs) with tomatoes. As long as it's not ice. That's right. (laughs) Green smoothies. (laughs) Right, right. I love it. All right, let's do this. So now that we're in a fellowship hall, Sister Pam, I want to know. I want to know your story. Adney wants to hear your story, and the world wants to hear your story. I want you to go way back and tell us how life was before you gave your life to the Lord. So, you know, when I tell my story, I always have to start with the fact that I was born of a Christian who was a single woman. My mother chose to have me in 1967. And in 1967, single women who were mothers was an unheard of thing. You know, women who got pregnant were sent to the country to have their babies and the babies were left with aunts and grandmothers and whomever else. And then they, you know, they showed back up without the child. And my mother had some options. She could have chosen to not have me. She could have aborted me. She could have chosen to send to go to the country and and leave me with a random relative. But she chose to keep me. December of 1967, she took the heat. Now, you we all know what single Christian women, the heat that they get in the church. They get kicked out of ministries. They they get sat down. They get shamed. They get talked about. And my mom made that decision in 1967. And, it, you know, the depth of that decision did not really hit me until recent years. And unfortunately, I never had the, the opportunity to talk to her and appreciate her for making that decision. But having made that decision and the man that she um had me with was an addict. And so she chose to remove him from our lives. So the man that I knew as my father was not my father. And he was an army sergeant. He was a retired army sergeant. And if I were to figure out what his love language was, I would say it would be acts of service. He was the type that would say, I don't have to tell you I love you. You know I love you because I put a roof over your head and food on your table and clothes on your back. That's love. But my love language is words of affirmation and physical touch. So imagine a little girl who needed to be hugged and affirmed by her father who didn't get those things. And that was my foundation. So I came out of childhood with some significant daddy-daughter issues that I was trying to mend through relationships. While I was baptized at the age of 12, I thought, I'm going to be the second person to walk the face of the earth without sin. And, and and that was until I turned 16 when I discovered penis. 
Yep, I said it. <laughs> uh, my first love was my brother in Christ, and he took my virginity, and I, I flew head first into that relationship because I saw him as uh, the one who would mend the relationship that I didn't get to have with my father. And so I got pregnant at the age of 16. But instead of talking to my wise mother who had made some some decisions similar to mine, um, I, I consulted a friend who was very well versed in abortions because she was being molested by her father. And so when I look at how I came to make those decisions, it reminds me how important who we spend time with is because I was taking counsel from someone who was broken and I was getting bad advice from someone who was broken rather than go to my mother who had been in the same situation and who had not made another bad decision after making the first bad decision. I went to my friend who said, all you need is $300 and we can work this out. And that's what I did. And I did that twice. I got pregnant at 16 and at 19. And it did not hit me how significant those decisions were because I always wanted children, but I wanted them under the right circumstances. And the right circumstances, of course, is married. I had to have a husband and I didn't want to shame my mother. So I am going from relationship to relationship to relationship, giving my all loving as hard as I possibly can, expecting that if I show him how much love I can give, he will in turn say, you know what? I want to marry her. And never once did the man that I was in a relationship with say, oh, you are giving your all. I want to marry you. And, and if I could just take a moment to say, sis, it doesn't matter how good your loving is. A man is not going to marry you just because you have good sex. And I think oftentimes the world will say, if you put it down right, then he will say yes. If you give him enough, if you do enough. No, it's never about that. <laughs> he has to be the right one and he has to be mature enough to make the decision. And I mean, if we're being honest, sex shouldn't even be on the table because sex helps you to avoid the red flags. You don't see red flags, especially if it's good sex. And Lord knows that I like good sex. And so here I am, you know, living my life loving living in LA. Uh, after I, I moved out of my mom's house, I moved straight to the city of LA. And the thing that I loved most about LA was the anonymity. That's what I loved, that I could do my thug fizzle. I could do my dirt and not run into any Christians, not run into anybody. And it was in 2000 that I lost my mom to breast cancer. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for making it midway through this episode. We want to take a moment to sincerely thank each and every one of you who have been supporting our show. Your encouragement and positive feedback mean the world to us. We want to continue to bring you inspiring and thought-provoking content each week, and that's where we need your help. We kindly ask you to support our podcast by clicking on the link provided in the description below. Your support will enable us to grow, reach a wider audience, and continue to produce the quality content you enjoy. 
We truly appreciate your support and value your contribution to the Call by God podcast. Together, let's inspire and uplift others in their faith journey. Thank you once again for your continued support, and we look forward to bringing you more enlightening episodes in the future. God bless. And my brother and I were having a conversation and we were talking about how wouldn't it be cool if we all lived in the same city so that we could watch my nieces grow up, his daughters, my sister's daughters. And I was like, yeah, well, come on to Cali. And he said, well, you know, it's it's looking like I might be getting a divorce. Um, His wife cheated on him. And he said, I have to be near my daughters. I, I can't leave my daughters. And I'm like, dude, who leaves L.A. for Charlotte? And I said, well, you know what? I'll, I'll pray on it. I'll write a pros and cons list and we'll see. And, you know, at that particular point in my life, I know that God was not hearing my prayers because I was not walking in my calling. I was, I was living beneath my salvation and I was reporting, not repenting. You know, I was telling the Lord, I'm sorry, but I was still planning to continue doing my dirt. So it it was not a repentance. I didn't have a repentant heart. And so I I was doing my dirt and still going to church. I would show up late and leave early. I wasn't connecting with anyone. And I I had all of these requirements. Okay, Lord, if if I'm going to move to Charlotte, you know, I have to be able to sell my house here in Cali. I need to be able to find a house in Charlotte. It can't be a, I don't want to build because I don't want to have to move twice. I don't want an old house because I don't want anybody else's problems. It has to be perfect. And so I told my brother, I said, okay, well, let's see. And I, I booked my trip to Charlotte. And it was over a weekend. And when I tell you everything fell into place, I found my house. It was affordable. It was beautiful. It was much larger than what I had in in California. I sold my home in record time. I mean, the Lord was like, girl, if you don't get up out of L.A., (laughs) I need you in Charlotte. And he made it so easy. And that taught me that if it is the Lord's will, it's not hard. It it doesn't, you know... that that move it was so easy because he needed for me to get out of my out of his way so that he could work in my life now when i say he makes it easy he made it easy for me to get out of a sinful situation but he doesn't always make it easy in our lives and i definitely experienced that when i moved here and so i get here i'm in my late 30s i find love i think this is my, he's going to be my husband we're having sex we are doing our thing i purposely set out to get pregnant cuz i'm like this is going to be my husband i'm good i did get pregnant and i know exactly when i got pregnant and i i got pregnant on in january january 1st at 12:35 a.m. and <laughs> i um as i was preparing you know to tell the world i'm pregnant you know i'm getting all my little stuff together i'm thinking about where which room is going to be the nursery and I, i'm telling christian friends and i'm noticing not everybody is happy but i'm like whatever i'm 38 i'm about to have this baby and in february Right before meeting a, a client uh, for a wedding that I was going to photograph, I had a miscarriage. And imagine 
that experience for anyone who's had a miscarriage. Imagine that. And then in 30 minutes, there's somebody who's coming to my house. So I'm going to have to put all that in a drawer. That's what we do, right? We compartmentalize. We put it in a little drawer. We save that for later. I had to save that for later. Worked with my client. And then she left. And then I processed. And two or three weeks later, I'm still feeling icky. For anyone who's been pregnant, you know that beginning pregnant feeling. You just this malaise. It's like, ugh. And so I was talking to a girlfriend and I said, I still feel icky. And she said, girl, you need to go to the doctor. You might still be pregnant. I'm like, there's no way that I can still be pregnant based on what I saw. So I call, I set up an appointment. I go in. The doctor says in order for this to be a viable pregnancy, there has to be a sack and a heartbeat. So he puts the little probe on my belly and I auto- automatically I hear the boop, 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 boop. The heart is beating. And I said, there's a heart. And he said, yes. And then we see on the screen, the baby was encapsulated in a sack. He said, there's the sack. And I said, so what was all that that just went on, you know, a couple of weeks ago? And he said, the only thing that I can figure out is that maybe there were twins and you lost the twin. I'm like, well, dang. So we're pregnant. Hey, all right, let's do this. So I'm I'm back on the pregnancy train. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm planning again. I get to the fourth month and I'm laying on the couch watching Larry the Cable Guy and I feel this weird feeling. I go to the bathroom and my son falls out into my hand and my sister was there, praise God, and and she got my doctor on the phone and he said, with just a baby? I said, yes, no placenta, no, no, just the baby. He said, get to the hospital right away. So I go to the hospital, call the father. He meets me there. And the doctor says, I've never seen this happen before. I have no idea what happened, but I need to go in and, you know, clear everything out. I said, okay. Now I I know this process. This is a DNC. This is an abortion, basically. So as he's rolling me into the room, I said, okay, so how long am I supposed to, how long are we supposed to wait before we can have sex again? Because in my mind, I'm thinking I got all these baby making hormones in my body. I'm going to get, I'm going to heal. And then I'm going to go back again and get pregnant so I can have this baby that I want. This is what I want. That was on my heart as he was rolling me in to the procedure room. And he said, well, we really like, you know, generally 12 weeks. I said, okay, I'll give you six. That was what was on my heart. When I woke up, I felt awful. My throat felt jacked up. My blood pressure was so, it was so low that I was upside down. They had to have me upside down to, to uh, keep my blood pressure intact. And I was like, hey, hey, what's going on? Why do I feel like this? And he said, Pam, you are one lucky chick. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, when we started the procedure, he said, you started vomiting and hemorrhaging simultaneously. He said, I never have more than a nurse in to do that procedure. I have five people in there and all five of them were instrumental in saving your life. In less than five minutes, you lost two liters of blood. He said, I don't know. I don't know what you got going on, but you are lucky. And I said, no, sir, that's not luck. That was a blessing. That was God telling me it's time to quit playing. And when I tell you, 
that got my attention like nothing else, like no other sermon I have ever heard because it hit me. My heart was set on doing my will, not God's will. If, and I think about the conversation that God and Job had, you know, in Job chapter one and Job chapter two, uh, God was like, Satan, where you been? I've been roaming the world. I've been checking out, see who I can jack up. And God was like, well, have you considered my servant Job? God said, have you considered my servant Pam? Yes, I have. And she loves some penis and I'm about to take her. He said, you know what? You're not going to take her right now. You can't have her. I have things planned for her. And I envisioned that conversation. Satan wanted me. I would have gone to hell if they were not able to resuscitate me. If they could not have gotten the bleeding under control, that would have been the end. And I would have spent an eternity in hell. And that just really, man, when I tell you that messed me up, because when I saw the patience and the grace and the mercy that God had for me, as hard-headed as I was, I was putting the high hand up to God saying, I don't have time for your rules and your requirements. I'm going to do what I want to do. And still he said, you cannot have her. Like that right there, I just have to take a moment and, and just say, thank you, Father, because I'm here today because he let me live. And so that was the first recognition of how powerful it is to be in the body of Christ, to be a child of God. Because Romans 8, 31, that said, if God is for me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter who's against me. And so I have to make sure that I am walking according to his will so I can say that freely. If he decides that right now is my time, I'm good. Let's go, Lord, because this world is jacked up anyway, right? And so I decided, okay, um, I really need to get serious about my walk at, at the age of 38, 39. This is my first time really deciding that I'm going to be a for real, for real Christian. Okay, well, I got this man that I'm in love with that 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 gives it to me right, but he's not in the body of Christ, and we have completely different spiritual beliefs. When I say completely different, I was praying to God because as I realized, you know, I had to get through my grief of losing my children, children that I had killed, children that I had lost. And then I was like, well, Lord, if I'm going to do this thing, I... I Am I supposed to marry this man? I mean, I, who is he to me? I love him. I can't see my life without him. So I need for you to show me who he is to me. Like, do, are we supposed to be together? Is it, What is this? And if you don't want him to be my husband, I need for you to make it so plain because I can't see past. I can't see past it. You know, I don't see my life without him. And when I tell you God answered that prayer so loudly and so clearly, the man told me, if we had had that child, you would not have been able to take him to church with you because I don't believe what you believe. Now, can you imagine the fight, the struggle of me believing what I believe, knowing that I am walking according to the Lord's will and having this man who's following what another human being has taught him, saying that you can't take our child to hear the truth, to learn about the truth, to walk in the truth. Like, thank you, Father, 
for showing me that. And then he, you know, we started talking about marriage and, and his past marriage and the fact that he had cheated on his wife multiple times. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. He's not eligible for remarriage. So, okay, I see the facts. Now, Lord, I need for you to change my heart because I get it. I get it, but I still have these feelings. And so the Lord just kept working and kept showing me. And in in the meantime, I'm like, okay, well, I need to, I, I need to close my legs. I need to say no to my body. Lord, well, how are we gonna do that? And and you know, at first it was, okay, well, yeah, we can break up, but let's be friends. <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> And and so I, I after I had that last slip up on August eighth of two thousand and eight, that's when I said no more. That was when I began my journey of abstinence, of celibacy, of choosing to serve the Lord instead of myself. And so I got a few months under my belt, and I was like, "Okay, Lord, well, if I'm gonna do this, I, I think I need like some Christian friends." Because I had never had Christian friends. Why have Christian friends if you're not doing Christian things? All my friends were in the world. And so I'm like, well, if, I, if I'm if i going to do this for real, I need somebody who knows you, who who can influence me and I can influence and we can we can walk this walk together. And I, um, But I was like, but Lord, I, you know, I can't. I was a reformed hoochie dresser, right? So I, I, I like a little style and I can't be hanging out with no sisters that dress like the Amish. I mean, they got to have some style to them. They got to have some, some pizzazz. And so he, he put two sisters in my path, Shauna and Marja Franklin. And when I tell you these were some classy sisters and I remember when I discovered them, we were sitting in worship together and I'm looking and they had their little pad and paper out. And I'm like, what, what y'all doing? And they said, we're taking notes. I want to take notes. I can take notes. I take good notes. Let me get some paper. So, you know, I'm taking notes. And then after worship, we started talking about the sermon and how we were going to apply the principles that we learned in our lives through the week. And then the next Sunday morning, we we met a little bit earlier and, okay, how did you do with what you said you were going to do? And this is what I did. And this is where I kind of fell down. And this is what I'm working on. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I went from that to, you know, going to their mom's house, who was a Christian, and she would do Bible studies with us. And I went from partying and listening to foul music and watching movies full of sex and reading about sex to completely clearing my world of worldly things and replacing it with godly things. And that's not to say that, you know, all day I'm in the Bible and all day I'm just listening to gospel music. But what that is to say is that I had to clean up my environment. And when people would say, Pam, how do you think you're going to be able to, to be celibate? You know you like sex. You, t- you taught me some stuff about it. I was able to say, but I changed. I changed my heart and I changed my environment. Yeah, it's not going to be easy to do if you continue to have friends around you that are talking about it. If you continue to watch movies that do it, read books, listen to music that propagate it. But if you start removing those things and cleansing your environment, it makes it so much easier. So I I get to this groove and I'm like, all right, I think I might be ready to date a little bit. Lord, what we going to do? Bring somebody. 
So my air conditioning went out at my house and I called my brother and he said, Hey, I got somebody. I'll send him over. And Lord have mercy. This is a tall, chocolatey, fine black man who knocked on my door and was like, Hey, how you doing? And so <laughs> he came in and I showed him the HVAC system. Hey, can I get you a snack? Can I get you some water? And you know, I'm kikiing and he's cheesing and we're talking and, and chit-chatting back and forth. And we exchange cell numbers. He gets the HVAC system working right. And then he leaves and, you know, we're texting back and forth, double entendres. And then I was like, wait, 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 wait. Because in the past, this would take me down a road that is not beneficial. So let me, let me just, whew, let me cool out. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not addressing the double entendres, you know, I'm, I'm just like keeping it above level. And, and we went out on a couple of dates and, you know, we had a great time and the chemistry was there. And so we had a conversation. I said, so so where do you what do you have in mind? Where do you see this going? What are your what are your desires? What do you what do you want? And he said, "Well, I've never had anybody ask me that. I I, I need to think about that for a minute. What do you want?" I said, "I want a godly husband. I want a man that I can I can read the Bible with and worship the Lord and do ministry work with." And he said, "Ooh, I don't know about that. He said, I was married before and I cheated on my wife. And I'm like, what is with the cheaters? <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> so, so I said, okay, well, I don't, I don't think you and I are going to um, be a good match because I, I do plan on getting married. And he said, okay, well, can we be friends? You know that question. Can we be friends? <laughs> so I said, sure. Well, one day I was extremely horny and I was off and I knew he was off and my sister and my niece lived with me at the time, but they weren't home. So I had plenty of space and opportunity to do what I wanted to do. But as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about my past decisions when I did what I wanted to do and what they led to and how it wasn't beneficial and my heart being broken and the soul ties being made. And I thought, I want to do this differently, but I don't know, Lord, how do I, who, how do I say no? Cause she ready. And so I started looking at my scriptures, my favorite scriptures, first Corinthians 10, 13, James one, two, and three, you know, and just reading about, people who had made some big mistakes and how God still used them. And, you know, I made some big mistakes and God has, God has given me favor and he's given me grace. Don't forget about how he saved my life. And, you know, things like that. And then I texted my girlfriends, my single Christian girlfriends, y'all, I'm horny. I need you to pray for me. They sent prayers. They sent scriptures. A couple called me. And then it was like, okay, but I need, I just need, I just need one more. I need to call somebody. And I called my minister's wife, Madeline Thompson, and she didn't answer the first time. And so I called her again and again. I blew her phone all the way up. We had to stop at this point. Uh, this is part one of Sisters Pamela uh, Hempstead episode. It's, it's just been a blessing. And I'm wondering if, if she fell short. I mean, this is a sister that went through so much from abortion through fornication into um, a spiritual awakening 
And now she's getting her life together with the Lord. And, and here she is. She's tempted again. So, Adney, um, do you think she fell short? Do you think she went ahead and did that act? What are your thoughts? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm just... I don't know. I think the listeners are just going to have to tune in for part two to figure out if she did or she did it. Because I'm sitting on the edge of my seats. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to the rest of her story. So, all right, world, until then, remember, Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lord and he's the King of King. Be blessed. That's it for now. But before we go, please continue to listen, subscribe and share our podcast. Also, if you want to support our show, please scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and click on the link that says buy me a coffee. We will greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And remember, God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. And also Jesus Christ loves you. Thank you. Wait, there's more. What if today was your last day on earth? Would you be ready to meet your maker? Well, Jesus Christ has given us the good news. He told his disciples in Mark 16, 15, 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Jesus Christ has instructed his children to share and preach the gospel, which is the good news, which means that Jesus Christ came and that he was sacrificed. He was buried and he rose on the third day by believing and by repenting and confessing and being baptized. You will be saved. So it is your choice. Jesus Christ will not force you. You've heard the message. You heard personal testimonies. But this is your opportunity to give your life to Christ. Don't wait until tomorrow, because tomorrow is not promised. So I hope you submit to the will of God and give your soul to Christ. Be blessed.